0: Hello everybody, Josh Neighbors here Locked On Nationals Podcast. Today is the 15th of May, 2022. On today's show, we're recapping the Nationals and Astros series from over the weekend. Some observations from this 2019 World Series rematch. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. All right, let's get to that series, talk about what happened, what went down, positives, negatives, all that's coming up and more on today's show. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, folks. Locked On Nationals podcast. May 15th, Sunday, after the Nationals series. Before we get into things, make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You all can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You all can find the show wherever you get your podcast, and you all can find us on YouTube as well. Uh, also, yeah, and also one more thing. Uh, send us questions on these videos. We like that. A lot of intera- more interaction, the better, honestly. Uh, that helps us uh, you know, kind of do the job a little bit better. So more interaction. We love that. I love the stuff. All right. So as we always do, we take a look at where the Nationals are after the series are over. And this series is over. The Nationals are 12 and 24. They have a 333 winning percentage. Uh, they are 11 games back of first place of the New York Mets, who came up short in a comeback today. Lost their first series of the year. So the Nats are 11 games back of them, four back, excuse me of the Marlins they play this week. They are five and, uh, four and a half back of the Braves and they are six back of the Phillies who have won four in a row and have cut the division lead to just five games. Uh, the Nats are five and 15 at home. They have a minus 36 run differential. They have lost one that's the current streak and they are three and seven. In their last 10. Now the good news is their run differential is the totally the third worst uh, right now. The the good thing is like their offense is semi-decent. All right. They're out, actually outscoring the Marlins and the Braves are outscoring uh, every team in the National League Central except for the Milwaukee Brewers and uh, they're outscoring only one team in the National League West. So, I mean, they're, they're not like this awful offense. That's, that's the good news. The, the problem is the runs they are given up, and, and, you know, some of the games not very competitive. Um, so, this weekend, World Series rematch from 2019. I felt like this series just had a bit more juice than some of the Nationals' others, uh, other series so far this season. I think that's pretty fair to say. Now, I wasn't at the ballpark. Once again, if you guys were and you're listening, wherever, uh, let me know. Let us know how the, how the energy was. But it, it felt like the energy was, you know, there. And it should be, right? Even if the crowds were still smaller than, you know, for, for a better team. Uh, the energy, I thought, was there clearly for two teams that obviously have a history. Now, I mentioned this on the preview show, previewing this series, that You know, the Astros have retained so much of that 2019 World Series team. They've done a great job of core building and core retention for a lot of the guys up and down their lineup and some of the arms as well. Maybe not as much in the arms. There's been a bit more turnover, especially in the starting side for their arms and even the bullpen as well. But that lineup has added guys, but it really feels like, you know, their core, and I know guys like George Springer are gone, um, but it feels like their core is still there, so they've retained so much of that. You look the other way, look at the Nationals. You know, so much of it's changed, right? I mean, there are very few guys uh, that remain from that team. You know, the Sotos of the world, the Eric Fetties of the world, the Austin Boths of the world. I mean, it's it's a shortly Victor Robles is of the world. I mean, it's a short list of guys that are still with the Nationals, and that just speaks to where both these teams are, right? Astros, I wouldn't say clinging to their um title window, but trying to readjust on the fly and bring up the new guys to supplant the old guys and keep the core together. So they're trying to keep that, that thing as a machine and feeding that machine. The Nationals, they were, you know, not as successful as the Astros were, but the, the Nationals had a machine there for a good part of the mid uh, you know, the aughts, right? They they had a run where the Washington Nationals were consistently making the playoffs. They were there every single year. And remember this, I mean, you know, the Astros had a downturn. Uh, you know, I guess I'm trying to think about how long ago it was. But remember when they were you know, had the cover of the guys on, the, on Sports Illustrated? Like, this is a team, you know, in, in the Nationals, or in the Astros, in both teams, honestly, and have kind of mirrored each other in a lot of ways. And so you think about the Nationals, they had that window, and, and it felt like they should have won more but they didn't. And so you go back to, you know, uh, 2012, they won the NL East. 2013 won the NL East. You know, 2016, the NL East. Uh, 2017 won the NL East. 2019, they won the NL East, right? So, you know, this was a stretch where it was, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five division championships in a seven-year window between 12 and 19. So that, that was kind of them feeding that machine. Now, I think the Astros might be able to keep this one together a bit longer. The Nationals did, but, you know, they got a World Series out of it, and the Nationals did too. And so they're kind of in those latter stages of their cycle in terms of a team. And, and it just shows you I mean, that they've kept those guys around who won 17. It's been really difficult for them to get back there. It's just that's the nature of the game, but they've been close a few times. So just kind of that was always in the back of my mind as I was watching this series this weekend. Not sure how you all felt about it. That was just kind of there for me. All right, let's break down the games. We usually work back to uh, you know backwards, forwards, so we'll start with the Sunday game, work to the Friday game. First, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. You guys go to BetOnline.net today. You all can bet on the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, MLB games, NASCAR, F1, boxing, MMA. It's all there for you guys. It's a good layout too, good interface. Not tough to manage at all. Some of these betting websites just have horrible interfaces. Uh, not BetOnline. So they're just clean. It's crisp. It's got a good search bar. You can find whatever you all want there at BetOnline and BetOnline.net today. BetOnline is where the game starts, folks. All right. So let's talk about these games this weekend. So game one of the series, the Astros win by a score of 6-1. to one. So the big story in this game, you know, from a Nationals perspective – right? Josiah Gray. It was the Josiah Gray start, and he struggled. And credit the Astros, all right? We hate saying that here, but credit the Astros for jumping all over Josiah, basically from the word go. I mean, that first inning surrenders five runs and puts the Nats behind the eight ball. He did it in a variety of ways, but he was just leaving pitches with too much play. And I had mentioned this in the preview. You know, It's a great challenge for a guy like Josiah Gray when you hand him a situation where you say, "All right, you've been pitching well lately. Here is a really strong lineup that's been, you know, they were gangbusters, right? Won ten straight games, and and they ended up making it eleven because of how well Joe, you know, or poorly I guess you could say Josiah Grave pitched, and it showed. You know, he, he ends up surrendering three home runs, and so as well as he's pitched in the previous two games, you know, and he's just been he's been solid, I guess, so far this year is the right way to say it. He ran into a hot lineup that was hunting, and they got him. You know, they, they six hits, six earned runs, so it's not a ton of hits, but three home runs on the night, and that's what ends up doing him in in this game. He settled in after that five-run first inning, but you already gave up the five runs. So how much of a settling-in credit do you get? Not very much. And once again, there were some difficult pitches. I saw one, I forget who hit it down the line. Maybe Bragman. Bregman, I'm not sure in the first inning, like tough pitch to hit and he went and grabbed it and and sent it down the the left side. So, you know, it wasn't all, uh, Josiah great, a lot of, you know, good quality hitting, but they were taking him to deep center. I mean, we saw Altuve go to deep center. Um, you know, we ended up seeing, uh, Brantley hit the next one over, over, uh, Victor Robles, head out there in center field. So this was, uh, and then I also was, I think it was Jordan Alvarez who goes deep to center field as well. Like, these games do happen. I like the fact that he's settled in afterwards. Um, but, you know, I just think just a better team got him. And I think it's a learning experience. You know, as much as we discredit Eric Fetty sometimes for nibbling far too much, nibbling far, far and away, way too much, there is some nibbling that has to happen against a team that's as dialed in as the um, as the Astros are. Actually, I thought you saw it today with Justin Verlander. I thought Justin Verlander did a really good job. Now, part of it was a control issue, but he wasn't just, you know, going down Main Street most of the time to get these Nationals hitters. Now, he kind of transitioned to that. But the first inning, you know, he, wasn't, he was not trying to let this team stay hot. Uh, and also part of it was control as well. But, you know, he walked a bunch of guys, but wasn't surrendering hits. And that was part of it. You know, he just didn't want to – Allow this team to continue, you know, how well they've hit. And a consequence of that, he walked guys. And that's Eric Fetty does the same thing, too. He, you know, he walks guys as well. But you kind of almost wish there was a bit more of that, a bit more being careful, as opposed to Josiah Gray just straight up taking on the challenge. On the other side, F- Framber Valdez was really strong seven and two thirds, seven hits, one run, six Ks, 105 pitches. So the Nationals were putting pressure on him. Uh, They were getting guys on. You know, the first four guys all got hits in this game. And then, you know, Nelson Cruz's two-hit game has raised his average some. But he did a good job working his way out of any situation, any difficult spot he was in. I thought Valdez was really locked in, and it showed. So a really good outing from Framber Valdez there. Let's have some fun, though. Let's talk about game number two of this series. Take a quick quick sip here. All right, so game number two of the series. 13-6, to a Nationals win. I have to be honest. This one felt good because I think it was, you know, it was just pounding the Astros. Like I think a lot of people enjoy that feeling. I think for the Nationals too, just to be able to snap their eleven game winning streak and do it in really convincing fashion, right? And not a night where they needed the bullpen to really good or the starting pitcher be really good. They put up thirteen runs. You know, they, they just they they went out there on offense and they were dialed in. From the word go. And you look up and down the lineup, you know, a lot of guys who had nice games. I mean, Soto goes, you know, one for three with a couple walks. Josh Bell, not a great game, one for five, but Nelson Cruz, three for four with three RBIs. Yadiel Hernandez goes two for five with four RBIs. KBR Ruiz gets a pair of hits. Mike Alfranco gets a pair of hits. D Strange Gordon even got a hit, two hits for Victor Robles. Like, this was just the all around game they needed. Also, the big thing, we mentioned this a lot. They were five for 11 with runners in scoring position. And the Astros were five for 12. You know, it's pretty good by them. But, like, it just didn't didn't matter because the Nationals were so, you know, dialed in, and not just on Christian Javier. I mean, Maton in there, too, and Taylor. And they rocked both those guys. So, they were able from the outset to get things going on offense. And I just think this was a fun night just to see everything going. And, look, I'll be honest, man. Like, we, we've had a conversation about Mike Franco. And it's been a really interesting one to have. Um, And, you know, he goes two for five in that game. And, um, you know, once again, he is putting a lot of pressure on Carter Keegan when he comes back to play well, you know, I'm going to mention this once again, we thought one of these guys was going to hit a D strange Gordon was going to hit. We thought a, um, you know, somebody, you know, from that kind of realm that the, the average guys are bringing in was going to be good, was going to be strong for them. You know, out of the that's like Lane Thomas is a little, not all guys they brought in. But, you know, somebody was going to emerge from that group and give you some quality stuff. Cesar Hernandez is even lumping there too, man. I know they get, you have they get the major league contractor off of the bat. But I think this was, you know, something that, hey, look, like he is a guy who will strike out a lot, yes. But his aggression level, you know, and people say aggressiveness. I don't want really to just say aggression. He has really been up there and look, he's not somebody that's hidden for a ton of average and it's not his job. He's going out there and trying to make something happen in the back part of the lineup. And he's hitting 273. And uh, you know, he's second on the team in terms of runs batted in for the nationals. Now, I mean, that's where he's gotten himself to uh, on this season. And th- you know, th- that's, I mean, I'd argue he's made himself an invaluable part of this lineup now. Like I kind of go back and forth on this, but you know, I'm not sure you can get rid of him. Or if you get rid of him, you should put him in the you know. I mean, we'll see what happens here, the DH spot. But Michael Franco has hit so well now to where, you know, not only is it pressure, but it feels like a guy that you know they either have to flip or they have to you know if they keep him around uh, and give him a contract. You know, obviously, you don't want to give him you know give him too much money, but um, you know they they've got options, right? D Strange Gordon's like not giving you options. Like the th- kind of runs its course at the end of the year and it's gonna be over. Um, Michael Franco gives you options. You could trade him, you could play him at third, you could DH him if you trade Nelson Cruz, you could pinch hit him, like whatever. He has he has made himself now, I'm not gonna say invaluable, but just valuable generally. And that's what these teams need. That's what teams who are at the kind of lower tier right now need. Either to use those guys to build or use them to build by trading them for prospects. So I don't think it can be um it can't be diminished how important a guy like Michael Franco is. And he just kind of highlights a reason why the Nationals were able to put up runs last night. Sure some of the heavy hitters came up, but you know, Ruiz and Franco in the back end, a young guy and a guy who took a chance on getting done. It's good stuff. All right, one more word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. The built.com, day. it's built.com. Use the promo code locked 15 locked L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15. Friends, you have to try these birthday cake puffs they have. They're delicious. They're uh, also like, you know, one of these protein bars that it tastes delicious, but it's not bad for you. It doesn't It tastes like candy bar, but it's not candy bar ingredients, all right? Jam-packed with protein, not many net carbs. You all can enjoy them worry-free. Built.com today. That's built.com. Promo code locked fifteen. L-O-C-K-E-D one five lock fifteen for fifteen percent off at built.com today. All right, so um fun pitching matchup today in the final game of the series. The Astros take the series as they take game three, eight nothing. Uh these games like were like wildly competitive, to be honest, uh, for the most part, which is, you know, which made this not as interesting, I guess, as it could have been. Um, so Patrick Corbin has a really interesting start. Through five innings, he surrenders only two runs, but goes out back that you know uh, goes back out there in the sixth and surrenders three home runs in that inning. Final stat line: six innings, six hits, five runs all earned, and then five uh, Ks on the day in eighty-six pitches. He was managing things really well. Didn't walk anybody until I think that fifth inning. And, um, you know, he was – the ball was traveling today, obviously, very well too. He, you know, he his starts have been consistently getting better. This was one of those where if it wasn't a guy you're paying $24 million a year, you might be like, we'll take the five innings. You did a great job, you know, if you're volatile, whatever. I had to send him back out there. And, and he got touched up again in, in that sixth inning. And so it's about limiting those. And I've mentioned that before. If you all are new to the podcast – There were a few of those games last year where it looked like, you know, through five and two thirds through five and a third um, Corbin was fine. It was actually doing okay. Or through four, whatever it was, but that last inning just got him. It just blew up in that final inning. And um, that's been a challenge. It's been a real challenge for him. And this was one of those where, you know, it wasn't just one inning, but it kind of blew back on him over the course uh, of the later latter part of his start, you know, Finishing strong is always something that we talk about on this show, you know, and, and that's why maybe Dave Martinez has such a quick hook for some of these starters. He doesn't want to press his luck. Well, with the guy who's being paid $24 million and be another $25 million next year. And then whatever it is, the following season up in the thirties. I mean, you should pressing your luck. You shouldn't feel like you're pressing your luck. It should be a game where he goes out there and you feel like, you know, he performs or doesn't you know keep giving up dingers. So, I thought there were a lot of encouraging parts of his start today. It's just that that, that later part of the game, man. I mean, that, that the fifth, the two-run home run, Maldonado, who sucked this year, just crushed that ball. He was left over the middle of the plate, 106 exit below, 423, and then Guriel goes deep, 373, um, and then also uh, McCormick gets the home run in the seventh inning when when Patrick Corbin comes out because he's like 80 some pitches and it's only three runs, but. That's a part of the game, you know, in the seventh, maybe you think about doing it, but you do press your luck because it is a guy like Patrick Corbin and his pitch count was not that high. So I get why Dave Martinez is doing that. He should be able to do that for a guy like a Patrick Corbin. It just didn't work out. And then Justin Verlander, after that first inning where things got dicey, or even in that first inning when things got dicey, like he just started attacking and and he ends up uh he got Soto out with a pop-up. He got um Josh Bell out with a K, I think. And, uh, you know, it was just really effective from there on out. I mean, he only surrendered two hits, 5Ks now, 107 pitches to get him through five. And he was laboring this game. Nationals made him work. They just didn't make him pay. I, I will say, and then he settled in right after the walks and everything like that happened. Um, we're having Matt Weirich on the next couple of days as we do every single week. Big thing we're going to talk about is the Soto approach. So Juan is getting cheated more often than not. I forget what the count was last night. He had a count where he was I think 3-0 or 3-1 and then popped out. And then he popped out twice last night about last two at bats. Today he was up 3-0 on uh on, he was up 3 on, on Verlander and wasn't able to make anything of it. So I want to talk to Matt about Soto's approach and kind of ask him, all right, so what's different because I've said all offseason that Soto rarely gets cheated. Well, He's letting pitchers get back at him a lot more in counts than he has in the past. It looks like he's pressing a bit too much at times and not seeing the ball as well as we're accustomed to seeing. Juan Soto see the ball, if you will. But Astros pitching was phenomenal today. Nationals offense really could not get going. 0-5, scoring position. Uh, Rafael Montero, old friend from the, uh, the Mets, comes back in. Stanek and Abreu also pitched today. As well, and really strong. That bullpen for the Astros has been very good. They've been, you know, really good this year overall. So, uh, yeah, Nats dropped two or three. Nothing, you know, that's so shocking. But I think that the Soto stuff and Michael Franco are two things that we're really gonna we're gonna talk about with Matt and about where we go with those. You know, obviously, where we go with here, like Michael Franco is more the where do we go with here type thing. Soto is a hey, what's up? Because um, he's, his numbers are still, like, not horrible. This is not a guy who's – out. You know, he's struggling 4-1, Soto, but this is not a guy who's putting up uh, poor numbers on the season. You know, he's he's still hitting 260 of the 394 on base, 11 runs driven in, eight of those via the home run. So it's just going to be an interesting thing to talk about and get Matt's thoughts on that. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at LO underscore Nationals. You guys can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore you all can find the show wherever you guys get your podcasts, and you guys can find the show on YouTube as well. So next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.